the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4. And we'll find our scripture text starting at verse 10. And would everyone please stand for the reading of God's word. Nehemiah chapter 4, starting at verse 10, you will find these words. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwell near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Today I want to talk to you in our series of lessons on leadership. I want to talk to you from the thought that godly leadership comes with discouragement. Godly leadership comes with discouragement. Anyone who has tried to lead anything for any amount of time has experienced the phenomenon of all our plans seeming to go awry. It, it seems like we had a great plan and we were ready to execute and when the execution began, it all falls apart. Uh, Israel had a great plan. Even before Nehemiah, Israel had a great plan. Rehoboam had a plan. It was a bad plan, but he had a plan, and it fell apart. It fell apart so bad that it totally broke down the relationships of the nation of Israel. It broke down the lines between kinfolk. It, It broke down things so bad that ten tribes were called the northern kingdom, and two were the southern. These were kin folks. These folks had the same bloodline. But now because of issues of money and, and district king, if you will, within the community, they have broken apart. Well. Even after they broke apart, Jeroboam, King Jeroboam had a plan, amen, but that plan was a bad plan as well. Kings on the south had plans, but those plans came to nothing. We find out by 722 B.C. that the plan for the northern kingdom to exist was no longer. Assyria comes in and dismantles the northern kingdom. Plans for the kingdom of Judah on the south were also 
thwarted by 586 B.C. when the Babylonians come in and exile the people, taking out the choice leadership and taking them off to Babylon, changing their names, Bible study students. People like Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, their names changed to Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Daniel's name changed to Belteshazzar, trying to get them to eat the king's meat, trying to get them to be off track with the things of God and on track with the things of Babylon. I'm telling you, plans start to fall apart. But here in this text, we find ourselves in the 4th century B.C. Judah has been exiled. The walls have been burned. The gates have been destroyed. We've got a problem 800 miles away from where a man, Nehemiah, is working and living. We got a problem because Nehemiah is 800 miles away, but he's a Jew. He's from the kingdom of Judah. So his heart is for Judah, but his body is 800 miles away. But in, after hearing of the, the decimation and destruction of the kingdom of Judah, of Jerusalem's walls being broken down and the gates being burned, Nehemiah begins to pray. And in his prayer, and in his time, he begins to plan. Amen. And God begins to work in the life of Nehemiah. Begins to work with the heart of the king. As Proverbs says, the, the king's heart is like putty in the hands of the Lord. Well. His heart and his mind, his ways are like rivers that the Lord will direct in whatever way he wishes. Saints of God, I want you to be reminded that no one is above the Lord. It does not matter who they are, what they are doing, what position they are in. You must always remember that the Lord has the last say. It may have been on the mind of King Artaxerxes to say, no, Nehemiah. You need to stay here with me. You need to be my cupbearer. You need to take care of me. But God had another plan. And no matter what man says, employers and directors and presidents, amen, political officers, no one can do anything more than God allows. And just because someone looks as if they are going to go against the things of God, don't forget to pray. Don't forget to call on God because remember, the king's heart is like putty in the hands of the Lord. So when we look at our text, we find that now Nehemiah has gone through all the preliminaries. He's now in Judah and he has gone to work. He's gone to work as a leader of the people to rebuild the wall and to restore the gates. And once again, to be reminded that Nehemiah was neither priest nor prophet. He was not an apostle or an evangelist. But what he was, was a man that loved God. And I keep repeating that to let us know and to encourage us and to let us constantly be reminded 
that you don't have to be in a vocational leadership position to be a leader in God's kingdom. You don't have to be ordained by man into any particular position in order to do something great for God. Because it is God that does it anyway. Right? We are the earthen vessels in which God uses. We are the clay. It is he that is the potter. But Nehemiah is an encouragement to all of us to know that no matter how insignificant we might think we are, we are significant with God. Whether we have title or not, God is wanting to use us to do great things in the world. If he did not, when you were saved, he could have just plucked you up out of here and taken you on to glory. But he left you here for a reason, and that is to make a difference in the world. That is to be change agents in the society to incorporate and to help execute the building of the kingdom of God. There are still little boys, there are still little girls, there are still men, and there are still women that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. There are still some folks who have thrown in the towel, there are still some folks who have given up that needs to see you. They need to see you in your quiet confidence in the Lord. They need to see your smiling face. They need to see your encouragement in your walk and in your talk. They need to see the reason that lies within you for why you operate as you do. They need to see the light of the world. And God says, ye are the light of the world. Let your light so shine among men that they see your good work, Deacon Johnson, and glorify the Father in heaven. It's a great responsibility, but we got a great master that's behind it. And every one of us can play part. And as a matter of fact, he wants every one of us to play part. And once again, we must realize that leadership comes out of times of chaos and distress. When things are going very well, leadership is not exemplified. Leadership is not expanded or amplified during those times. Because everything is running well, amen, it can almost run all by itself. But it's when the obstacles of life come in, it's when the problems, it's when the chaos comes in, it's when folk are looking around for a leader looking around for somebody who can get us out of this mess. I am not in any way confused about the condition of our world. I'm not confused about the condition of our nation. I'm not confused about the condition of our city. And there are many folks who realize that our nation is in trouble as well. And they're looking for a leader. There are people I talk to on a weekly basis and I hear what they're saying. They are looking for somebody to help lead them out of their quagmire. They're looking for somebody with some answers to some problems to be able to fix some things that have been broke. And I want you to know everybody in here who has professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior 
that you are problem solvers in this world. God has left you here to be problem solvers because the reality of it all is that we have been given 66 books in the Bible that gives us a prescription and description of how to solve problems in this world. But unless God has anointed and appointed, he has illuminated your mind, you can't read this word. But everybody who's baptized and born again, he has opened her eyes to understand his word. Therefore, you have the responsibility of being problem solvers in this world. So now we come to our text. We, we come to where now Nehemiah has began the building project. He's been given the resources. He's now in Judah. They have begun to build the wall. In our last session, we found out that the wall now is halfway up. So they have had progress in the community because Nehemiah said they had a mind to work. I want to stop there for a minute. Amen. If you're going to do something for the Lord, you got to have a mind to work. Amen. You know what? God could do all this on his own, but he decided not to. He decided that he wants to use you and me. Amen. He wants to use you and me to come alongside folk who are hurting and to give them encouragement and to help heal them to, to deal with folks who are, who are down on their luck as they call it, amen they, they're missing things, they need finance and resources and training they need stuff and God has left us here to do it but you can't do it sitting at home eating bonbons and watching your favorite TV show amen, it's about having a mind to work and it is work when you're talking about building the kingdom of God. It will take some sacrifice. It will take putting down some stuff that you ordinarily want to desire. Amen. You might lose some sleep in the midst of doing God's work. Amen. But I'm here to let you know that, that TV shows, amen, they're going to pass away. Amen. Building projects on earth, they're going to pass away. But what you do for the Lord it shall last. You must put a priority on the things of God. So easily we get tied up and tangled up in things in the world. The world continues to paint this picture of what's the good thing, what's the thing you ought to be doing. But you don't get your cues from the world. You get your cues from the Lord. Your cues come from the word of God, not from Madison Avenue. Huh? Not from Hollywood, not from any media outlet. Your cues come from the Lord. So Nehemiah understood this. He didn't get his cues from the Persian media outlets, nor the king, nor any other man, but he was calling upon the Lord. And so their building project had begun. They had had a mind to work. They had gotten halfway through the building project. And then here comes trouble. There had already been threats by Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. There, there had been threats of what they might do. But now the voices are getting louder. Now that old enemy, amen, is now making strong threats. 
But I noticed something else about the building project that will happen as you leave. As time goes on in whatever task that you decide to take on, because remember, the work of the Lord is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's going to take more than 10 seconds to get anything done for the Lord. It's going to take concerted effort over days, over weeks, over months, over years. When I first got here to New Zion, amen, and I, I began to survey the building, amen, as Nehemiah surveyed the wall. When I surveyed the building and I found that water was leaking into the church, amen, at almost 30 gallons on the weekend, I had to make up my mind that it was time to work. That there were some things that needed to get done. I didn't just need to preach. I needed to get some other things moving too because something needed to get going. I needed to rally up some leadership. I needed to get some things going because we had a problem to fix. But when I began to survey that, I never imagined how long it would take to finish that project. I never imagined that it would be three years in order to get things to where it really needed to be. I saw it on its surface, had a mind to work, but found out that there was more to it, amen, than meets the eye. I had some enemies against me. I had some naysayers. I had some folks who thought I shouldn't be doing it, amen, but somebody had to do it. There's some folks that thought Nehemiah shouldn't be doing what he was doing either. But guess what? He didn't listen to them. He listened to the Lord. And there's going to be some folks that think that you shouldn't be doing it either. Don't think that you're going to be able to do a work for the Lord and everybody's just going to clap and be right side. It's not going to happen. Folk going to talk about you and say, well, you ought to be doing it like this. I can't believe they're doing that. But they ain't doing nothing. Amen. So don't listen to that stuff. Keep focused on the Lord. Because it is the Lord that has given you the vision for what you've been called to do. Run in that. Because all this is is schemes of the devil to get you to quit. What if I had have listened? What if I had have listened to the things that folk were saying? I would not have reached out to people who had resources to help us along the way to getting our air conditioning fixed. We probably still have water running into the building. Amen. But I had to keep my focus on the Lord. And every one of these projects, everything that God calls y'all to do, keep your minds on the Lord. I cannot put more emphasis on that or not. There are going to be folk, some of them even well-meaning, that will say things to you to discourage you, to get you in a place where you want to quit, even though they don't mean it. And then there's others that has malice on their mind. But you have to stay focused. And realize that everybody doesn't know what God is calling you to do. Everybody doesn't understand how God is calling you. But you've got to run on anyhow. Amen. So Nehemiah has gotten the, the wall halfway built up. Now trouble's on its way. What you'll find, leaders, is that as you begin to lead and your team begins to build upon, upon you, you will start out and things may be really good. Oh, it's, everything's going great. Everybody's excited about it for a little while. But remember, this is what? Not a sprint, but a marathon. 
I, I don't know about you, but those of you that have ran any kind of race that has some length to it, whether it's a quarter mile or a mile or two miles, when the gun is first fired and everybody takes off, it's real exciting. Everybody has all their energy and everybody's trying to get to the front. I've seen those who have made their way to the front and ran off from the pack. But after lap number one and lap number two and lap number three, after a while you see them starting to fade away. You see them start to fall back into the pack. And some of them you see fall back through the pack and back behind the pack. Because at the beginning, everything is so exciting. Amen. Because everything is almost perfect at the beginning. Everybody's full of energy. But halfway up the wall, halfway up the wall, when you've been working on your project a while and things have not moved like you originally envisioned them to happen, the people that's coming alongside you have a vision of how things should go too. And some of them will get discouraged because it seems like it's not what they thought it was going to be. So then you will hear folks say things like Judah was saying to uh, Nehemiah. He said, the strength of the laborers are failing. We're getting tired, Nehemiah. Man, we've been working on this wall and we've been working on this wall and now we're getting tired. We're getting tired, man. We're getting hungry and, you know, we've been eating, but really we need to, I don't know what we need to do because it just seems like it's taking too long. He said, look, 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 there's so much rubbish that we are not able to build a wall. Man, we've been working on this and working on this, and every time we look up, there's another problem. There's something else getting in the way. Man, we don't have enough resources one minute. Then the next minute we got folks talking about us. We got obstacles in our way. We're getting tired. Can't we just call it a day? Can't we just say that we gave it a good college try? You as a leader will have to be able to be resilient enough to not say, oh, yeah, that's fine. We just quit. We just throw in the towel. No, it's not worth it. You've got to know that you know that you know that God has called you to this work, even though it looks like it may be a mute point. You've got to see past what you can see and hear and trust in what you know. And you've got to be able to come alongside the folks that's working with you and say, don't quit, don't give up now. The breakthrough is on the other side. It's in these times when it looks like it's all over that the sun is just about to shine again. Don't quit, keep the work going. You've got to be able to stand there because with godly leadership comes discouragement. And look at the text. You got outsiders. You got enemies who are constantly threatening to do something to you. Verses 11 and 12. And not only that, if you look closely in verse 12, it says, So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came. That's what I talked about earlier. It's not just going to be your identified enemies that give you trouble, that cause you discouragement. But there are some folks that's related to you. There's some kinfolks, there's some friends that'll come right up alongside of you and start 
are parroting the same words that your enemy is saying. The text says 10 times. What he's saying, they just keep on saying it. My kinfolks just keep on coming to me saying that this ain't going to work. My friends, every time we go out to eat, we talk about something for a while, but then the subject comes up about building the wall. The subject comes up about my ministry and what I'm trying to do for the Lord, and they bring up what the enemy has said about it. They bring up what my detractors have said about it. Instead of them encouraging me, they discouraging me. But that's part of being a godly leader. Do you think Satan is just going to sit up and sit around and let y'all talk to folks for the Lord and bring folks to Christ and build up kingdom building and go out and, and, and help folks who are homeless and feed folks who are hungry and help get medical care to those who are sick and he just going to sit somewhere twiddling his thumb? No, he's going to get about his business and he's going to do all he can to stop you. But there is a few notes, there is a few things that we can do, amen. And it first comes with unifying ourselves around the goal. You've got to, as a leader, continue to communicate to your followers, those who are on your team, what the goal is. But I want you to know you've got to find out what the goal is first yourself. See, sometimes we go out saying we want to lead something, amen, but we don't have a goal. We, we just have an idea about leading something, but what are you trying to lead to? Nehemiah had a goal. Nehemiah had a goal of rebuilding the walls and fixing the gates, restoring the gate. He didn't say rebuilding the temple. He didn't say going out and rebuilding the houses in the Judean communities. No, he had a goal, and you got to get a goal too. Because if your goal is everything, you can do nothing. Your goal has to be something and it has to be focused so that you can communicate that message to your followers so that they can continue to see what the end goal is. That they can continue to have a vision and a focus that you all run in concert together to complete. But not only that, you, you need to make sure that you refocus yourself and your people on the Lord. Because in this world, in the enemy, the way he works, he likes to get your mind off of God and on to something else. He likes to get your mind off of God into things of the world. But you've got to make sure that you keep your folks and yourself mind stayed on the Lord. Because when your mind get on things in the world, your mind gets shiftless because the world is shiftless. Because things are fickle and capricious in the world, you need your mind on a solid rock that will never move. You need one constant that never changes. So you keep your mind on the Lord. And you got to make sure that you know enough about the word of God to help the other folks who follow you stay on him as well. You got to speak to them in the word of God to show them how God is still doing and show them what God is still doing in their lives and let God be the one who empowers them. You got to keep your mind stayed on the Lord. But not only that, you got to, you got to keep a rallying point going. You got to keep this thing together and realize that you are not a lone ranger in ministry. 
Sometimes folk want to get out here and try to do all this stuff by themselves. There is no way, amen, that in our project, this project of doing the air conditions, could I have done that all by myself. I needed you all. I needed our association, amen. We needed more than just one person. We needed resources. We needed folk who had skill. We needed all of this stuff. And God showed us that he can carry us through. There were some disappointing times when it seemed like we weren't going to have the finances. I had been told that, that, that there would be six to $8,000 we would be short. But God showed up and he showed out. Even at the time when everything looked like it was, going not, it's not, was not going to happen, amen, I went to God in prayer. And I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know what you go, how we gonna get the money, what, how is this going to work? But Lord, we trust in you to see us through. I was going down Paseo on my way to 63rd Street, praying to the Lord because I couldn't see it, but I knew enough about God to know that if anybody could make a way out of no way, it would be the Lord. And I saw the Lord do miraculous things. Like taking $8,000 worth and getting that money when we were told that we weren't going to get it. When we were told that, no, we're just going to pay X amount, company decides to pay all of it. No particular reason other than the lady calls me up and says, we've decided we're going to pay it all. Didn't say why, just did it. But I knew why. <laughs> because of the Lord. But I knew that it would take the resources and the, 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 the strength of a people of our church and those who would come alongside us as well to make this a reality, amen. That it would take the Southern Baptist Convention and our Blue River uh, Kansas City Association, I didn't know how, but God would use them as well to help fund the work that we needed to do. And praise be to God today that that project has been completed. We have two brand new air conditions, amen. Brand new air handlers because of the Lord. So even though there was a time of discouragement where I couldn't see how it was going to work out, I still trusted God, amen. We still prayed about it and God saw us through. It didn't happen in a few months. It didn't happen in a few years, uh, even a couple of years. It took us three years to get here, but God did it, didn't he? And you must know in your ministries, amen, that God does not count time or count slackness as men count slackness. Because a day is to a thousand years as a thousand years is to a day with the Lord. So even though it looked like it's taking too long, amen, it's never too long for God. Amen. And it just might be, Sister Williams, it just might be that God is testing your faith. That he is testing you to say, well, when you don't see me or hear me, will you still trust me? Will you trust me enough to see me work it through? And as you see how I've worked it through, your faith becomes stronger because it's been tested in the fire. Amen. Sister West Pauly, there may be some things that don't even make sense. And, and all the arrows are pointing toward no. But God is saying yes. 
But God said yes 10 years ago. And you ain't heard from God in 10 years, but you've been hearing from all these worldly perspectives that keep pointing at it and keep saying no. You got to have enough tenaciousness and spiritual fortitude to say, I see one thing, but God told me something else. So I'm going to keep on moving in the direction because I believe God is going to see me through. And God favors those who have followed through. Amen? He favors those who have followed through. And finally, in the work of ministry, it's not a long ranger game. It's not a long ranger activity. It is a group activity. Therefore, one of the other ways that we can battle discouragement, Sister Brown, is to support and serve one another. That is a great antidote to discouragement. Sister Randall, when, when, when discouragement comes into our lives, I don't know how and what the dynamic of it all is, but sometimes somebody can come right alongside you and just say a word. Just say a few things to you while you are going through. And it seems like the Holy Spirit will illuminate you and encourage you and lift you up. And you are now energized to run on a little while longer. And there is no one better to do that than another believer. Another person who knows the reality of serving a true and living God. Another believer who have been baptized and born again has seen God change in their lives, has seen their God move them from A to B, from can't to can. No one better than come alongside. So the greatest antidote, a wonderful antidote for discouragement is serving one another. When we come into the church, amen, we ought to be looking for an opportunity to make somebody's day, rather. Well. We ought to be looking for an opportunity to say a word, maybe smile, maybe shake a hand or hug somebody. They may be needing that one thing today to tell them that they can go on. They may be hurting in a way that you cannot see on their face because we are masters of the cover-up, amen? But they still need it. Amen. So when we come into the house of the Lord where the saints of God are, we ought to be ready to embrace one another because we don't know what's going on. But one thing is for sure, we know that it can be just a little something here or something there that can make the difference. A little smile. A little how you doing today. Been praying for you. Something, something, who knows? Maybe you say something about what's going on in your life that encourages somebody else. But if you don't serve one another, if you don't come together, then that dynamic cannot come. So it's very important, amen, in the work that's coming up for New Zion. I'm going to talk about us right now. We got some things that's on the horizon. Amen. Some greater works for us to do. There's some ministry starting to take off now. There's some work to be done. But there is going to be obstacles that come in your way, Sister Shepherd. As you lead out with the youth, there's going to be some stuff that gets in your way. But be of good cheer because God has overcome the world. Sister Bond, as you continue to lead in the finance office, amen, there will be obstacles. There will be plans that get thwarted. But don't give up. 
and don't give in. Keep on doing your best for the Lord because that role is vital to the continuing execution of what the church has to do. Amen. Those who sing, amen. When you sing songs, continue to sing songs with, with, with a heartfelt conviction, amen. Because you don't know who is getting touched by the things that you are singing, amen. You don't know what bow down heads are being lifted up. But once again, that becomes an antidote for discouragement. But you got to come into the house of the Lord seeking to serve and not to be served. Amen. There are too many people trying to come and get their word. How about coming to give somebody else a word? Amen. How about coming to encourage somebody else? Because even if you don't get your word today, you get your word by helping somebody else. Give and it shall be given. <laughs> that does not just include money. That includes encouragement. That includes help. That includes a myriad of things. Give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. <laughs> Amen? Amen? So today I just want to encourage you all today that in godly leadership, amen, discouragement will come. Don't become disillusioned. Don't become disenfranchised. Don't feel like you've been marginalized because discouragement has showed up. Because it's a part of leading, especially when it comes to leading in God's house. We have a great enemy with a great army. Amen. One third of the angels went with Satan. So you can expect some stuff to get in your way to discourage you. But don't forget about God. Amen. Don't forget about the Lord because he is the one that will see you through. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, Lord, we bless your name, Master, for being God all by yourself. Lord, thank you for the word today, O oh God, to let us realize that discouragement will come, but you are the master of encouragement. Lord, thank you for letting us know that there is a ministry that's not a long-ranger activity, but that we must come together as a family under the leadership of a vision, amen, and follow through. Lord, in the name of Jesus, as the years and the months and the years and the months go by, as we continue to grow and go to the next level in you, O oh God, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help our leadership in whatever capacity, O oh God, continue to forge away, even when all of the signs are saying no, to realize that you have said yes. Lord, keep the saints of God in their families and in their lives, oh God. Lord, that we can stay focused on one another and serve one another. That this church, amen, will be the church that you call it to be. That it'll be a beacon of light unto a dark and a dismal world. That men, women, boys, and girls, homeless and drug addicts and drug abusers and those who are alcoholics and those who are caught up in all kinds of trafficking master might can find a place of refuge at New Zion Missionary Baptist Church and know there's some people that will come alongside them to love on them to love on them and to be there in the way that they need us to be that we'll have a mind to work 
even though it's not a sprint, but a marathon. Lord, we ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. The doors of the church are open. There may be somebody here today who has not put their faith in Jesus Christ. But today you can get that fixed today. You can say today I don't want to go no further without getting my relationship with Christ right. I'm going to give my life to the Lord today asking him to forgive me of my sins coming to my heart and live through me. I'm tired of doing it my way and failing time after time after time after time. But I heard that old preacher up there say something about Jesus. I heard him say that he was a way out of nowhere. I heard that he was a bridge over troubled waters. When the things of life are tossing you to and fro, I'm here to let you know that there is an anchor and his name is Jesus. He can keep you when the hurricanes are, are thrashing and tearing. Amen. He can keep you in his place. When you're out on the stormy seas and you can't find your way back to the shore, he is a lighthouse that shines bright into the storm. There may be somebody here today who, who knows the Lord, but they've gotten far from him. They've, they've gotten into their own thing and gotten outside of the relationship that they once had with the Lord. But the Lord is arms are open wide and he wants to take you back but you got to come and ask the Lord to take you back because he can and he will he died for you almost 2,000 years ago he was buried and he rose from the grave you won't serve a dead Jesus but he is yet alive he sits at the right hand of the father and he's full of grace and truth you can come today Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back, take me back, take me back, dear where I first believe. Mm -hmm.
calling me, calling me. Those sweet memories that I once knew, once knew. Sweet memories, they're calling me, calling me too. But I must confess that I've sure been blessed. But still, my, still, my soul. Johnson? I just want to support what the pastor was preaching. 